As we look in Romans, the third chapter today, as it's about righteousness and what makes us right before God, that is how we have good standing, it kind of goes against what we typically think and the way our society is built. And the only illustration, I, you know, something that I can illustrate this with is this, uh, this past week I had, I went to visit a, uh, one of our members in a nursing facility in Johnson City and uh, I'd gone into the, to the building, of course it's sectioned off in different halls, and the fire alarm goes off. Um, and the fire alarm goes off and I'm trapped. I can't get out of the building. Uh, you know, the, the, the exit doors, the fire doors are closed uh, and I'm trapped for a good 15 minutes. Uh, meanwhile, you know, I'll, there's no other nurse on that particular floor, at least I didn't see. And you've got all these residents in the nursing facility, and there's just me. Uh, and, you know, they're, you know, they're, I mean, the bah, 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 lights going everywhere. And I'm like, I, you know, I don't know where. So they come out, and, you know, I'm dressed kind of like this. And I said, well, uh, did, did you start a fire? And I said, not today. Uh, I said, actually, I don't know what's going on. Don't know if it's a false alarm or whatnot. And this loud speaker comes on, code red, code red, code red. And I'm like, you know, I'm pushing the button to get out of the door. All of us are trapped in this hallway. And I'm sitting there thinking, now, this doesn't make any sense. Fire alarm goes off. Doors don't lock. Doors unlock so that you can get out. Uh, and, you know, I, you know, my blood pressure's raising. I'm looking, I'm looking for smoke. I'm looking, you know, and you've got, you know, some of them are asleep in the bed. Some of them are out in the hallway. Some of them don't even know anything that's going on because they can't hear. I mean, it's piercing, piercing, piercing sound. So after 10 minutes of being stuck on the ward, so to speak, um, I go to the nurse's station. I said, I have a question. And uh, she said, sure. I said, well, um, I was just in that far, far, far alarm, a fire alarm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my, uh, my education's coming out. Um, I was in the far alarm uh, and I said, um, you know, I, I was trapped uh, and there were at least, I don't know, 10 or 15 residents trapped in this section. I said, um, typically when there's a fire in this building, do we not attempt to get the residents out? And she goes, no, uh, we, we, we lock it down. And I said, so, or, I mean, <laughs> what if, what if there had been a fire on the hall that I was on? She was like, well, we would have, well, they, they automatically lock. And I'm like, um, is, is that normal? Uh, and she said, well, I, I don't know. I said, somebody needs to know about this. I'm like, that, that, that doesn't work. I mean, you know, fire exit, you would think. And so I give you that illustration. And I, still, I don't have a solution to this problem, ladies and gentlemen. And some of you are going to come at me after worship and say, I want to make sure my loved one's not in this facility. I'm not going to tell you the name of the facility. I, what I will tell you is I'm working on it, okay? I'm working on getting this corrected. Um, and, uh, you know, I can understand perhaps... Uh, if they can isolate a specific section of the building, you've got fire doors, that wasn't the situation. The entire place was on lockdown. Uh, so I, I've been assured that they're working on it. And I said, just work on it before there's a fire. Uh, come to find out, there actually was a smoke issue. Uh, a resident was cooking in their microwave and left it on for 20 minutes and thought it was two minutes. Uh, and whatever it was in caught fire in the middle of the microwave. So it created smoke and that's what set off the alarms. Uh, but it was not what... I expected. I expected fire alarm goes off, doors open, you know, all the, all the doors that normally wouldn't open do open, and we try to get residents outside. I was fully willing to push beds or whatever else. That just didn't happen in this specific thing. And similarly, when we look at Romans chapter 3, 
you know, raised in this culture where you do things in order to get credit for them, um, that kind of carries over into aspects of faith and spirituality. Um, for instance, when I was in college um, and graduate school, you would have professors and they would lay out the rules at the very beginning. You get the syllabus and you study that syllabus. You look at the dates of different things to do and you pencil those in and you make sure you get them accomplished if you want to be a good student. And uh, one of the things I remember several classes, they would say, if you want an A, uh, this is what you have to achieve. If you want a B, this is what you have to achieve. If you're satisfied with a C, this is what you want to do. And of course, they didn't do a D or F because you'd have to retake the class. Um, and so you would have those benchmarks and as long as you jump through all of those hoops in specific classes, you'd be guaranteed the A. So, you know, I would make sure that by midterm I'd already accomplished the A uh, credentials because I kind of wanted to coast uh, the rest of the semester. That's just the type of person I am, type, uh, you know, uh, type A personality that just wants to get it done. I'm a very task-oriented person. Uh, this summer, uh, my wife uh, asked me, she goes, are you my husband? Yes, I am your husband. Uh, it's been a busy, busy, busy four weeks between camp and uh, between children's camp and youth camp and the covered bridge and we had a kind of a bump of the road with hospitalization or whatnot and then we've got, uh, we've got Rome Mountain this week and the reality is as a very task oriented person I'm looking at the task while we're accomplishing a lot of things and because my goal is to be as active in your lives as possible because it's through those events and through those opportunities that I learn more about you and I learn more about the ministry that we're called to here and uh, my kind of my rule of thumb from the very beginning has been I will never require anybody to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. So if I tell you would you be willing to clean the toilet downstairs I want you to come to the realization that I've cleaned toilets and I'll still clean toilets. I'm not above anything that this body of Christ needs. I'm at your disposal. So I'm trying, trying my best to engage everything. Thing is, there's not enough days, uh, uh, not, not enough hours in the day and days in the weeks to accomplish everything that we need to do. But guess what? He has called all of us to serve in one way, shape, or form. But if we're not careful, we will look at our schedules and we will look at the things that we do and we will equate those things to our faith. And as long as we're busy, we'll say, well, we've got good faith. We're practicing that faith. As long as we've got these benchmarks so we can uh, cross that T and dot that I, or as long as we can make the list of our accomplishments, we think to ourselves, we must be pretty good. Is that not what we do when we get a resume or we try to drop a resume for a job? We try to put on one page, because if you do more than one page, they say that's not cool anymore. Um, so uh, you, you do one page and you list the components, the best components of your makeup. Uh, what I've noticed about looking at resumes for hiring different people over the years is no one puts their laundry on the resume. At least they shouldn't. Uh, some people do. Uh, what I like to do is look at the resume that's presented and then I go to Facebook and get the real resume because that shows me exactly the way people behave on a, in, a, in a virtual way or whatnot. But if we're not careful, we always equate the things that we do. If we're busy bodies for Jesus, then we've got to have it right. Um, and, you know, it's not been just this summer or whatnot, but over a period of years, the Lord has really, really convinced me and shown me that, you know, Todd, whenever you think that your works 
is crediting to your righteous account or whenever you think that your works or the things that you do is somehow giving you a better standing in the face of God, you have bought into one of the greatest lies that people buy into today. Uh, and that's kind of, we're kind of geared that way to, to think about the qualities or the things that we do and equivocate that to our faith. But if we look in Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writing, we find a, a very, very different story. It says in verse 21 and following, Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify or speak of. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. For everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So one of the things that really should leap out at us in Romans chapter 3 is the fact that our righteousness, that is our right standing, our good standing before God is not a result of the verbiage or the phrase... I do. It's a result of what he's done. It's a result of the grace of Jesus Christ. This grace, and I've said this many times uh, in the last two and a half years, that grace is the one word in the Christian faith that surpasses every other religious identity. Listen... Almost every religion has love and can speak of love. Every religion can speak of hospitality and generosity and these good virtues that are, that are what I call small truths. And if we look at religion based on uh, good things, uh, take your pick at what religion you want to do. I mean, you could be a, a Buddhist or you could be a Taoist or you could be a, 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 a follower of Confucius. It, it really doesn't matter because as long as you're attempting to live a, a good life in doing good things... There are a lot of different paths that you and I can take. But we're not called to just merely do good. We're not called uh, just to do good things or do right things or uh, accomplish the law or fulfill the law. We are called and we have good standing based on the grace that Christ gives us or that God gives us through the person of Christ as a result of us trusting and having faith in him. So it, it really is, it comes down to the reality that though our lives are built upon task orientation and making sure that we accomplish this and we accomplish that, we have great difficulty when it comes to following God. We think to ourselves, well, if I, well, for instance, some of you may think, well, I, you know, I think I'm going to do Rome Mountain this week because I haven't had a good opportunity to do something for the Lord uh, in a while. And so I'm going to do Rome Mountain. Look, we'd love to have you because our prayer is, and as many times when you go on mission trips or whatnot, sometimes the person that God wants to reach is not the audience that we're seeking. The audience that God wants to reach are the very people who go and serve. Sometimes, and my prayer is that for many of us, hopefully this week that are going, if we're going with the perspective that we're doing something for God and somehow we find favor in God, or God finds favor in us as a result of what we do, that we will have a complete transformative heart change to understand that it's by grace alone, it's by faith in Jesus Christ, it's not about our works, which for some people who never do any works, they're very excited to hear about that, and we'll get to that in, in a few moments. But we are made right before God by faith 
in Jesus Christ according to verse 22. Works do not make us have good standing. Works do not make us or bring us to good standing with God. Um, and the reason I say that is, you know, there are people who follow the Old Testament. And if you look at the Old Testament, there are over 600 different laws uh, within the law, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament that are kind of spelled out. Some of those laws are, are the, the Macdaddies or the Ten Words, so to speak, which we call the, the Ten Commandments. Uh, other things would be dietary restrictions, things the way you wear, and all these, how you relate to people, how you relate to animals, how you relate, you know, every kind of thing under the sun. All these laws and rules are spelled out. And the reality is that if we are rule people, let's just take, for example, the basic rules uh, back to school. You know, I remember the basic school a rule. Number one, keep hands and other objects to yourself. Uh, that's kind of a fundamental rule. And you know what? I broke that rule every year. Uh, you know, I, if I, you had something I wanted, I took it. Uh, that's just kind of the way I work. Um, and uh, my wife's mantra was, if uh, you had something that she wanted, she either took it or she broke it to make sure that you didn't get to play with it. And, and she, you know, she smiled. That's just true. I mean, you know, I'm just being honest. Um, and so, uh, I'm so dead for lunch today. Uh, uh, and so, you know, if, if you look at that, though, even the most basic rules of life, if you go back to kindergarten, first grade, all throughout, we all have broken the rules. You, we can't be perfect in our rules. So if we can't be perfect, what standard of reason is there? Well, the standard has been inaugurated by the person of Jesus Christ. And basically what, what Paul is writing here is the realization that, look, Jesus does not come uh, to do away with all those rules. Uh, you know, I've, I, listen, I've run into people that have a misunderstanding of the scriptures. It's not, listen, the Old Testament and the New Testament are both important. Both of them are inspired. Both of them are scripture and they're equally important. What the Old Testament gives us is the background of the fulfillment of what the New Testament hope is. And so it's not that Jesus comes and suddenly we don't have to abide by the laws. It's just that Jesus comes and he's the fulfillment in totality of all of those things. So, uh, you know, it's not so much that you have to worry about whether you should eat pork or eat a BLT. It's more about the universal law of the spirit of love. How do you treat animals in general? Or we can say, you know, back in the Old Testament, it says in the Ten Commandments, do not murder. And if you're like me, you're thinking to yourself, ha! Well, thank goodness I haven't done that one. Aren't I such a good little follower of God? And the reality is Jesus takes that idea of the Old Testament of do not murder. And he says, but well, wait a minute. Any of you who has had hate or any of you who have committed murder in your heart, you're guilty of this very thing. And so what Jesus does is he takes spirituality and fellowship of God up a notch. See, before you could do good things for the wrong motives and you'd be applauded. With Jesus, you can do the right thing with the wrong motives and you still stink. Because motives matter. It's what's behind your motivation. Is God at the center of your motivation? Or are you motivated by your own desire, your own blessing, your own productivity, your own spotlight? To accentuate how great we are. 
We stand in grace or we should stand in grace alone. It's not built on the law. It's not that we don't need to pay attention to it. But we need to come to the realization that our right standing before God has nothing to do with anything that we bring to the table. It has everything to do with what He's done through the person of Jesus Christ solely resting on His grace. And you say, well, wait a minute now. That goes against... Sounds like it goes against Baptist principle. It depends on how you understand Baptist principle, but what I want you to also understand is God does not call us, I don't see anywhere, and any of you want to point this out, please let me know. Nowhere in the scripture does it say, I want you to be a good Southern Baptist. Doesn't say that. But scripture speaks, I want you to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. I'll make you fishers of men. Lay down your life for my sake for it's by losing that you gain a life. God doesn't call us to be good Southern Baptists. God calls us to follow His one and only Son. And when I, when I say about you know, our standing for God, I know what some of you are thinking is that, well, wait a minute. Now, I thought that if in order to receive Christ, we have to, and then you fill in the blank. And usually that means we walk down an aisle, we pray a prayer, we get baptized, and those are things that we do. We do walk down an aisle, we do pray to receive Christ, we do get baptized. But we need to understand that we do these things as a result of what God has done in the person of Christ, not in order to gain anything. And the fact that you and I come to the point of decision to walk an aisle or to accept Christ. And listen, here's the thing, and, and this, was, this was revolutionary, I think, for, uh, for some people. Nowhere does it say you have to be baptized in that. You can be baptized in a swimming pool. You can be baptized in the Jordan River. You can be baptized in Watauga Lake. You can be baptized, listen, it's not where, it's not even how, as is important as the why and the who you're baptized into. Into faith through Christ. What is, what are the essential tenets of our faith? Grace alone. We have no favor with God. We have no good standing with God outside of God's grace. Which means that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is all, all that more important to us or should be. Because when we recognize that it's not about what we do, it's not about what we say, it's nothing that we bring to the table and it solely rests on His provision in Christ alone through the grace that we receive through Christ. When we understand that, we recognize that all we have is Him. And He's offering us a free gift not based on our credentials, not based on our actions, not based on us, but based on un conditional love. The fact that God loves us and has loved us before, he, before anybody else ever knew us, before we even knew we existed in the mother's womb, he has known us and he loves us and has gone to bat for us on the cross before any mistake that we've ever made. Loves us unconditionally. Unmerited Favor is grace. 
unconditional love is grace. Is that not the type of God that we would want? Is that not the type of Savior that we desire? Someone that is not going to hold our sins or our transgressions against us. Someone who states the obvious from the very beginning. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, all of us have missed the mark. All of us have sinned. Now, Christianity over the last 20 centuries has spent an enormous amount of time deciding and talking about what it means to fall short and what's a sin and what's a noble sin and what's not a noble sin, what's a respectable sin and what's not a respectable sin. And I'm not going to go through the whole list, but what I'm going to tell you is this. Sin in any point, at any point, is a distraction of the glory of God. So this week as I am traveling, or I'd taken Anderson down to New Orleans to drop him off uh, with some friends of ours, um, I get down and, you know, I, I just watched a special on CBS News about road rage. Uh, and I don't, I don't have road rage. And uh, so I get down near, uh, near Birmingham, and actually outside of Tuscaloosa, and the traffic is backed up four miles. And these are these, uh, there are these people, children of God, I hope, that are in the emergency lane on the right, zooming past, going about 75 miles an hour, getting ahead of me. Now, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm telling you what, sometimes it's hard to be a preacher on Monday when you're in the midst of traffic and all you see is Alabama tags everywhere. And I'm like, I don't see anybody from Carter County. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Tennesseans, you can drive. Let me tell you something. On, on your worst day, you're a better driver than half the places that I visited in this country. At least you'll let somebody in, you know. I mean, it's very rare that, I mean, I know it happens, but it's very rare. I mean, all I'm going to tell you is, if you've not traveled around this country and seen how people drive, you need to. But it, it's, I almost lost my religion. And then I remembered in my rearview mirror, I have my son sitting in the back seat smiling. And he's going to be driving in six years. And so I was like, you know what, buddy, traffic is no big deal. You know, you need to remain calm. You know, don't, don't let things upset you. He said, yeah, Daddy, he said, I know you're telling me don't let things upset you. He said, but you seem to be a little bit upset. I'm not upset. What are you talking about? <laughs> See, God gave me children to show me my erring ways. Uh, and, uh, but it, it, listen, it's so easy. It, listen, it's so easy to think that you're doing okay, and you know, I, and I'm, I'm determined. You know, when I get when I get down the road, you know, that delayed me by my GPS. See, I'm one of these anal retentive type of guys that I'll do the GPS. I don't do the GPS to find out where I'm going. The GPS says you will arrive in six hours and eleven minutes, and I'm determined to get there in five hours and fifty nine. Like I'm going to beat that time. That's the whole purpose in GPS for me. I don't use GPS really to get, I know how to get to New Orleans, I know where I'm going. But I use it to see, I can beat the time. You know, that, that's my whole purpose of GPS. And when that GPS creeps up, when I'm going 75 miles an hour in a 70 mile an hour zone, it drives me insane. I'm going more than a mile a minute and I'm still getting docked on my time. And I just get all flustered inside. Now some of you are laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. How many men in the room do that? Of course you do. Of course, that's what it means to be a man. Uh, and so, you know, and here's what I want to say. 
going 75 miles an hour, and I don't want to be a legalist about it, but let's just be real, going 75 miles an hour in a 70-mile zone, am I breaking the law? Am I breaking the law? Okay? Is, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are we breaking the law when we go 70, 75 miles an hour in a 70 zone? And we say, yes, we are. Okay, is breaking the law a sin? It is. But you know, it's interesting. We don't, equi- we don't I mean, we, do, we don't even think about that. We don't think about it. And I don't want, listen, I don't want you to have a heart complex today, you know, the spirit of the law, but I, I'm just spreading out. If you're going to live by the law, you're going to die by the law. Which means we'd all be dead. We'd all be dead. We do need to watch how we drive. We do need to watch how we act. We do need to watch our behavior. And we also need to watch about which, which sins are respected versus which ones are not. Now, I'm not, listen, when all sin is the same, all sin separates us from God. Not all sin has the same consequences. You know, uh, speeding, there could be a consequence to that. I, it could affect my family if I get killed, affect my child if he gets killed. I mean, in a real reality situation, those kind of things can happen. And there are things that other sins that we can commit that affect us differently. But to God, listen, to God, sin separates us no matter how innocent you and I want to make it. Now, my wife, through, my, the Holy Spirit convicted me this week through my wife um, because someone had recommended me a TV show uh, this week. And uh, it was on Netflix. I'm not going to tell you which one it is because you'll go to home and try to watch it. And uh, I watched the first episode. I put, I put myself through it, the full episode. There was a four-letter explicative used 68 times, I counted, 68 times in 52 minutes of that show. To which, you know, she says to me a day later, you know, I just don't think that you have a good gauge on what's wholesome and what's not, basically is what she told me. And so I'm I'm done, you know. But the reality is, listen, is that wrong to watch? Well, I'm going to say this to you. Is there anything beneficial that's going to come from it? Probably not. And it's, you know, not that I want to be a legalist about it, but the reality is we need to be watching what we put into our minds. We need to be thinking about what our eyes are viewing. We need to be thinking about all of these things that we're soaking in to our lives. Because if we are going to live a Christ-centered, gospel-centered life, it is calling us to be radically different than the world that we're called to reach. We have to be defined by God's grace through the person of Jesus Christ. Now, in my own mind, uh, I was thinking yesterday, I'm like, you know, I don't really, it's, not, it's a big deal, but it's not a big deal. But then the reality of this comes in. Would I watch said episode or said show in the presence of Christ? Uh, no. And then why am I fooling myself thinking that he's not already there with me on the other seat watching it. Now, listen, I know a lot of you watch a lot of different things, and what I'm gonna tell you is, you know, I'm not immune to that either. We regulate kind of what our kids watch, but I'm gonna tell you something. Uh, there's very, very little on television that is worth our attention, but there's a lot on television that captivates our attention. 
the media, everything. All these things, listen, they are not there to help us. The enemy knows that if he can distract us even for a nanosecond and get us off focus of Jesus, and all we have to do is look at the New Testament and see what happens. What happens to Peter when he took his eyes off of Jesus? He began to sink. And the same thing is true of us. It is by grace alone that we are made right before God. Faith in Jesus Christ. We do works of faith or we do good things as a result of our faith in Jesus, not in order to gain faith in Jesus. The second thing I want to say is that righteousness or being in good standing doesn't come by following rules. It comes again by following Jesus Christ. If you look in verse 24 of the passage, it says, um, all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Nowhere in there does it talk about how, goodly, how good we work or how good we look. It's all about the grace in Jesus Christ. Rules can help guide us and point us. That is, the law can help us and guide us and point us to the truth. But the rules and the law is not our salvation. Our hope and our salvation is Christ alone. So that means that the rules are not an end unto themselves. They're a means to an end. The end, the beginning and the end is always Jesus. And our lives need to be examined in light of what Christ or what God has done through the person of Jesus Christ. And then finally, uh, to sum it all up, faith in Christ is the standard of measurement. In our society where we so want to uh, cross the T and dot the I and, and do things for God in order to, and I, I've shared this before in a different setting, I had a deacon one time that said to me uh, as he was, was dying, said, I just hope Todd, and it, listen, I, he was such a great man. Uh, in fact, uh, he, made, uh, he made beautiful furniture, he made a, a cedar chest for us, uh, just a great man, uh, wonderful, he would do anything for you, but he said this to me and it disturbed me greatly. He said, and he was in his 80s, he said, I just hope I just hope that I've done enough in this life that will get me into the presence of Christ. And I thought, how, how did someone who was raised in church all their life, how did they become a Sunday school teacher, a deacon and everything else, and listen, be the greatest of people, but then to be at the end of their life, before them, when they're getting ready to end this portion of existence and enter into the next portion of existence, how can you do all of those things, be in church, be surrounded by what I would call orthodox Christianity, and in the end, not know that it's not about what we've done. It's about Jesus. And so many of us have been swept away by the delusion of works. That works, 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 works is what matters. When in reality, it's Christ. To the point that I think based on scripture we can say the following. You can be born into a great home into a great family. You can refuse to lie 
cheat or steal. You can be a model citizen. You can serve our country with valor and bravery. You can be highly decorated. You can excel in the corporate world. You can be fair. You can be an entrepreneur. You can be a philanthropist. You can give millions away to make a difference in schools and education and in sports and everything. Listen, everybody in the world can like you and you can live a great life and you can go to the ends of the earth and be the greatest thing on the planet. You can win the Nobel Peace Prize and everything else. And at the end of the day, compared to the little old man or the little old lady who has lived their life wretched and depraved, who is not known by anybody, who has never raised in church, who has never done anything, and then on their deathbed they receive in reality the totality of the grace of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. The woman or the man who dies is on their deathbed and dies, having trusted in Christ in the last minute, will be in better standing than the good man who lived their entire life doing great works. Now, I want you to let that sink in. Because you say, that's not fair. And what I want to tell you is, let me let the cat out of the bag. God is not fair. God is just. Who are we to decide what is right? Because we're broken from our very beginning. God who is perfect, who is right, and who is righteous. In His economy, it's not measured by how good we are in this world. It's measured in how good His Son is in the midst of who we are in this world. Solely on the grace of Jesus Christ. This is how our lives will be evaluated. Not did we help a little old lady across the street. Not that we gave money to the poor. Not that we gave thousands and millions and billions and whatever else that we could have acquired. Not that we left our, our life savings to a good cause. But did we give... Listen... And even in this state, did we give our lives to Christ? Again, understand that when we give our lives to Christ, it's because He's working, He's doing the work to begin with. Have we laid it all down and accepted the free gift of God's grace? Grace alone, and I say this, it's not about our merit. It's about God's merit in the person of Jesus. It's not really the question of do you and I have faith? It's do you have faith in Christ? And do you trust in Him alone? Because here's the reality in closing. When we trust in grace alone, in Christ alone, we will not be alone. When we trust in grace alone, in Christ alone, we will not be alone, but we will have fellowship with God for eternity. Here's the question this morning. I don't want you to ask yourself if you're a sinner. That's the obvious. I'm not going to ask you if you have unconfessed sin. That's between you and the Lord. But what I am going to ask you is, what has your faith been built upon? If it is an answer like, well, my faith is built on Christ and whatever it might be, we've completely misunderstood it. Our faith is built 
on Christ. Period. Resting in the assurance of His grace. Period. If we're thinking anything else to add, we're under the delusion that many in our faith have bought into. So this invitation is simply for us, in many ways, not only to have a greater understanding of the faith in Christ, but to quit doing things in order to impress and start being the person He's called us to be. Not to impress, but in order to advance His kingdom. To touch people's lives. To connect people to Christ one life at a time. And we may find that by doing so, that the life that is affected, the life we're seeking to change, may be the life that we see when we look in the mirror. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for our time together, your work in Christ. And Father, we thank you for uh, the people in this room. Lord, as we search our hearts and our minds, help us to recognize sometimes where we have misunderstood your gospel, have misunderstood your provision, have misunderstood Jesus. And Father, we confess to you uh, in this time that, uh, God, we, 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 we can't stand on anything that we do or anything that we say. But Lord, we rest today in you and in you alone. If there's anyone here who has never trusted in Christ for complete and total salvation, we want to give an opportunity. If there's someone here who has misunderstood what it means to be a follower of Christ, thinking that it's the sum total of the things that we do rather than the person of Christ that's within us. If there's someone here that's unsure about their salvation, unsure today that if they left this room and they were involved in a tragedy or an accident and their life was taken from them, if they're unsure about their eternity, Father, I pray that you'll help them to come just to be prayed for, just to have a conversation. God, you who make all things well in the midst of our circumstances, for many of us who sometimes are sinking because we've looked away from you. Father, in our greatest moments, you reach down in the midst of us and save us wherever we are. Father, in this invitation, may you work in spirit and truth and may we be obedient to your Holy Spirit that's working in our midst, calling us to faith, calling us to service, calling us to an unquenchable Faith that is desiring absolute affection in the grace of Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and during this invitation, you need to make a decision. Uh, this altar is open. If you need to talk to me or you want me to pray for you, I'll be more than happy to do so. If you need just to spend time at this altar in, in private prayer, that's fine as well. But don't, don't, don't let go of this opportunity. If God is dealing with you, be faithful and true to pursue Him as we stand, as we sing, and as we're led by the Holy Spirit.